of the 15 steps, there's a few key points. One is your inciting incident, right? Like if you don't have an inciting incident, you don't have a story because you haven't started your story. For instance, movies that take like 15 minutes for something to happen. It's like, why are you wasting my time, dude? Let's, (laughs) let's get this thing moving, moving along. So as an example, a lot of people in star Wars will say the inciting incident is Luke seeing, seeing the hologram of princess Leia. Mm -hmm. Well, the movie freaking starts out with, with two spaceships, one spaceship attacking another spaceship and running away. Right. So you're automatically thrown right, into the action. Right, we right. get to, we're introduced to the, to Darth Vader. So they do a great job of just throwing you into it instead of going, this is Luke Skywalker. And you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so the inciting incident, I think is, is one key piece. And, and generally like from a marketing standpoint, that is your problem. That is, that is the raison d'etre of the company, the product, the service, whatever it is. All those things exist because they solve a problem for the customer. So start there. That becomes your inciting incident. That's where you can start your story. That was my guest, Seth Erickson, explaining the inciting incident, one of the most fundamental components of the hero's journey story structure described by Joseph Campbell. We'll hear about a few more components of that structure, including a much simpler version of the structure that you can start using right away that Seth uses with his clients. This is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode number 112 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at secretsofpm.com slash 112, including a link to a gift from Seth, the first chapter of his new book, How to Hack Humans. The link is storyfyagency.com slash secrets if you just want to try typing it in. The show notes have links to other resources and books that Seth mentions as well. Seth is a Webby award-winning web designer turned storytelling maven. His company, Storyfy Agency, combines both design and storytelling to create beautiful websites that also sell extremely well. In this interview, he talks about story structure and his path into storytelling, and he shares some things you can start doing right away to put these ideas into practice. So as we continue... Seth gives us more insight into the hero's journey and how it applies to marketing and sales. The product or service is the, what they would call the magical elixir, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Usually that comes at the end of a story, but in a marketing context, I don't need to go through 14 steps to get to the magic elixir. I want to know what the magic elixir is right away. Like if you set up the problem, then <laughs> what is the solution? Although you, you might want to mention something about the challenge that the customer has been having trying yeah. to find a solution right right and that part of that is is setting the stakes right of what does life look like if you have this product what does it look like if you don't have the product mm-hmm. and from a marketing standpoint i i like to call it sticking your finger in the wound so you can say here's what the problem is and then you can build upon that problem in a way that says and it's causing all these other things to happen yeah, that yeah, you, yeah. you may not be aware of right i was working with a uh, a psychologist who does stress related therapy. Mm -hmm. And my point to her was like, okay, but what does stress do? And she was like, well, it's really physically bad for your body. And I was like, I get that. Right. Like, (laughs) but what else does stress do? And she's like, I don't know. I was like, does it mess up your relationship with potentially your significant other, your family, your children, your friends, right? (laughs) Like those are knock-on effects that are happening because of the problem that that person may be feeling stressful and that's not a good thing. And they may be feeling physically tired or worn down and being tired and worn down then means you're cranky around, you know, people that, that you have a relationship with. So 
or you're not able to create because you're right. Yeah. You don't, you, you can't think clearly you're not as creative or innovative as you need to be depending on your job. So you can start to self-medicate and become an addict. Yeah. So I'm, I'm good at the negative stuff. <laughs> there you go. At, at there taking, you go. Taking things to the ultimate level. Yeah. And so, so that's, that's what I mean about sticking your finger in the wound because you know, the, the old marketing adage is, you know, nobody needs a drill. They need a hole. Mm -hmm. Well, the question that I ask then is what are they going to do with that hole? Sure. Right. Are they, are they hanging a picture? Is it a, um, a certificate of something? Is it a bike rack? Is it exercise gear? <laughs> like well, they want to put a door in the hole, then it's yeah. a whole different hole. Then it's a really big hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would not want to lift that drill. So those aspects I think are, are really key. And then like we talked about before transformation, that usually comes again at the end of the story, which in, in a marketing context, I think it still makes sense to come at the end of the story because, you know, they call it life and death or, mm -hmm. or death and rebirth. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the rebirth most often is what happens. Some characters do die, but <laughs> depending on who you're reading, but that's where the transformation happens. That's where um, the character moves to the other side of the problem. They've defeated the villain and here's what life looks like now. Yeah. So being able to paint that out for people, paint that picture for people and show them, okay, this is what life could look like. If you were using my product or service, this is how it's going to solve your problems. Here's how it's going to defeat the villain, which is the problem in, in the, in the story. And again, you tie that back to the, the, the villain is the problem. The problem is the inciting incident. So, you know, yeah, just linking it all together. Yeah, sure. So the 15 steps become basically three big components, problem, yeah. solution, transformation. Yeah. And I, it, I like it's three terms you use. Right. Yeah. Like a three act play, right. Uh, <laughs> or yeah. beginning, middle and end for simplicity's sake, especially for people listening who are like, you guys are kind of nerding out on this stuff. There are, there are, are other pieces that you can add into it, but if we want to start with something basic and, and just get somebody to be able to go, okay, I get it and go off and, and create some content or start creating um, whatever, then at least hit these three key points in, in your marketing message and your branding and your content. I mean, honestly, like case studies quite often follow this format, you know, mm -hmm. this client had a problem. Here was the solution we came up with. Here's, here's, you know, what happened, you know? Right. Right. Um, so that is, that is the most basic. And then you can, the only more basic thing you can do is do problem solution, which, you know, is like <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> infomercial in the middle of the night. That's like our raccoons coming in and stealing your children. Well, get raccoon off. And then they go into like, <laughs> you can spray this on your children. You can spray this on your, on your dogs, on your cats. And there's like a small thing at the bottom of the screen that says, do not spray on cats. They might burst into flames, but <laughs> all these things, <laughs> all these same methods are being, are, mm -hmm. are being utilized around you. And so the more that you understand the mechanics of how something works, the better you get at, at doing it. So, so talk about how you bring emotion into this. Cause I think that's one of, you mentioned in the book, uh, the importance of emotion for both getting attention and for getting memory to build it, to build the connection to this, to the story. Emotion does two things. Let's link this back to the earlier idea. When you start put, putting your finger in the wound and really mm -hmm. describing the pain that starts drawing out the emotion, because as you describe it, people go, they can go, oh, I feel that way. I, I understand that situation. It sucked or mm -hmm. it, it was really upsetting or whatever. It's not that you have to go super negative because if you go too negative over time, it'll turn people off. They mm -hmm. just kind of, it like burns out the emotional receptors, but 
if you can talk about the problem at a deeper level, then they will start to kind of resonate and go, yeah, I remember that feeling. It was kind of icky. I don't like that. Right. Um, so emotion does two things. One, it, it moves a memory from short-term memory into long-term memory. So that's one important thing. Otherwise, what happens is because your brain is always trying to be efficient, it's going to just go through and wipe out things. So uh, a perfect example of this, <laughs> for anybody who's been in a long-term relationship, somebody will come home and, and they'll tell you about their day. And five minutes later, you can't remember what they said because there was nothing to you that was really emotionally grabbing in that, mm -hmm. in that statement. They're like, you know, I went to the store, I got eggs, you know, I came home. So that's one piece. The other thing is that from a neuroscience standpoint that we understand is that emotion also drives action. So part of the reason it drives action is because when you uh, feel a certain way about something, then you typically want to take action. And, and, and this actually ties into like, how does the, the conscious and subconscious work, which is that most of the heavy lifting uh, that is being done is done by our subconscious. We think it's happening consciously. We don't really actually realize it. Somebody described it as like um, somebody sitting on top of an elephant and they think the, that they're driving the elephant, but really it's the elephants driving them. You know? <laughs> the elephant has a lot of say in the, in the situation. Yeah. And then the subconscious communicates back to the conscious through uh, a feeling, right? So we, we might call this a gut feeling. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know this person too well, but I feel really good about them. I don't know this person too, too well. And they're just freaking me out. I don't know why it's because the subconscious is like, Hey, there's something going on here. And maybe you don't consciously understand it, but I'm picking up on all these cues and I'm trying to <laughs> send up a flare here, uh, that there's some sort of issue. So that's, that's an important piece of understanding is that we take action when we feel a certain way. We don't, we like, everybody's like, no, I'm logical. I, I came up with all the reasons I took took action because of this. It's like, no, your subconscious processed everything in the background, sent you a feeling back. And then you went, oh, I should do this. I should buy this product. I mm -hmm. should, you know, uh, be upset about this thing or happy about this thing or whatever. So we well, had a um, good phrase in there about decisions versus justification in the yeah. book. Uh, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's roughly, and I say something similar. People make decisions emotionally and justify them rationally. Yeah. R roughly speaking, right? Yeah, we make we make decisions based on emotion, and we uh, but we justify it with logic. I think the story of your inciting incident, in terms of getting into storytelling, is pretty interesting. I was running a successful web design agency in 2015. We were doing really great work for our clients. We won a bunch of awards. Uh, clients were happy, but at the end of the day, they essentially weren't getting more customers. They weren't getting more sales. And, but they were like really happy with the website. And I was like, well, what the, what the hell are we doing here? Like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm glad that I'm getting paid. I'm glad that I'm winning awards, but like, I'm not actually moving the needle for my clients. And that was really frustrating to me. So I guess the short version is a friend of mine gave me this book called winning the story wars by Jonah Sachs. I read that book. It was like, I got struck by lightning. From there, I went on to Audible and downloaded like over 50 books. I think I raised their stock price single-handedly, <laughs> at least for that month. And I just, yeah, I, I read a ton of books on storytelling, just going, you know, I want to know more about this. This is amazing. And, and also understanding that like, not only is it really cool, but it, it also goes back to the start of humanity. So mm -hmm. this, this isn't like the super new fancy concept and as I was reading those books, I was also seeing neuroscience 
that some of the books were, were digging into the neuroscience and pointing out things. And that's when I went, well, there's got to be research papers. If there's neuroscience, I went and, and read those, those papers. I would not do that to yourself. Uh, <laughs> I'm the thank irony, you for doing that for us. Seth. Yeah. The, the irony is, is that these guys and guys and gals are doing all this research into storytelling and they're not applying any of the principles that they're learning in their research papers. So, so I read, read a lot of research papers. I, I read a lot of other articles. There's, you know, in the book, I talk about neuroscience, but there's even more than what I put in there. And it was just like, the, this is just going to be too much. Like, let's get some key points that like people can go, oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. like, and then move on from there. But the neuroscience aspect was really important because I wanted to say, not only is, is this thing really cool, but I wanted to say it's also scientifically backed, right? right? This isn't just my opinion. I'm not some random guy on the internet giving you my opinion about stuff, you know, like, I mean, you can turn on the news to get that if you want. That's, that's kind of how, I, how I got to this place. And then we started doing what, what, uh, all the startups we worked with do, which is we started testing it. We started going to our clients and going, Hey, we, really into this new, this storytelling thing. How about we, we start trying some stuff and we started trying things and we started essentially with like email campaigns and we started seeing really huge returns on email campaigns where like click-through rates were jumping three and four times what they were before. Mm -hmm. Open rates were, were going higher. Response rates were going higher. We actually ran a email campaign during COVID to a cold audience that brought in 4.3 three, $4.2 million of potential new business for a customer, which is like, how do you do that? Well, <laughs> you know, cause a lot of people were like, I don't have any customers, like everything's shut down. And, and so yeah. in that email campaign specifically had a, had a major inciting in incident for enterprise it. So we were able to capitalize on it, but the way that we capitalized on it, wasn't sending them an email telling them how freaking amazing we are and how amazing our products are and they should buy them. Mm -hmm. we, we told a story about what was happening and we put them at the center of the story. So our language was talking to them, not about us. It resonated with customers. And so mm -hmm. we saw that. And then we helped uh, a major construction company start to differentiate, differentiate away uh, from their, their uh, other competitors in the space using the same approach of storytelling. Tell a little bit more about that, the construction company, because I thought that was an interesting I don't know if this is specific to California or if it's just everywhere in the country, but the construction companies in California, and as soon as a client signs off and picks a construction company and says, I want, you know, you to build my building, then the client is not allowed to set foot back on the construction site until the project's done. So what that does is leaves a lot of clients in the dark. They don't know what's going on day to day. They may get updates like once a week or something or once a month. And then, and some people just get told, Hey, your building's done. Come down and check it out. You know, it's like, okay. So that was a major problem that, that, that my client identified. And so what they did instead of saying on time and on budget, which is literally what every construction company says, that was a big focus for them. They were like, how do we differentiate? Because this is what everybody says. And when we come in and we pitch and three other companies are standing there saying the same thing. Like, how does the client know which one of us is the best one to pick? Mm -hmm. So I said, well, we need to tell a story. And, and that's where I was like, what is the problem? And they were like, this is the problem. So I was like, great, we have an inciting incident. Your clients are basically being left in the dark. So the website is abbottconstruction.com. Abbott is A-B-B-O-T-T. -T. And mm -hmm. 
you'll notice that that they they kind of hit on hit on that point, but then also the language uh, on the website is talking to the customer about the customer. So that's another big thing that most websites and and like I said, email campaigns fail at is they they want to talk to the customer about themselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So now when they go in and pitch and the three other companies are standing there going, we'll build your project on time, on budget, Abbott's like, well, so will we, but also we won't leave you in the dark. You'll be writing up front with us through the whole project. It was actually the, the business development uh, person that I worked with who said every project, the co construction company shows up with a U-Haul, throws the customer in the back, drives around for several hours, and then lets them out, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And, and so that's where the idea of right up front came from. And so we kind of crafted that, that language. And so now they have a completely unique pitch to um, everything else that their customers are saying, because they understand the problem. They understand the fear and the frustration and the anxiety, mm -hmm. because you just gave somebody millions of dollars and you're hoping they really don't screw it up. And so, you know, Abbott is very focused on having a very uh, transparent uh, building process, giving frequent updates making sure that the, the client can see everything that's going on, even though they can't be there themselves. And it creates a unique value proposition for them. That is such a good story for people to hear. You were doing all this design that was winning awards and everybody loved, but it wasn't having an impact. A lot of product companies have that problem where we they create products that are beautiful and easy to use, but they don't do anything that anybody cares about. I've won the fancy awards and it, it, it didn't, it didn't help my clients one bit and I got into business to help other people. I mean, yeah. I really like design, but like I wanted to combine designing and helping other people. Yeah. And it wasn't until I brought storytelling into the, into the mix to say, I can make you something beautiful and I can make it resonate with people and make them want to buy your product or your service or hire you that then it like, it all came full circle in a sure. way that I, I could go, I've got the goods. I've got the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, the full package. We were talking about the, the 15 steps in the Joseph Campbell structure. That's a, obviously fairly complicated. Do you have a simple way that you describe the framework? For example, when you're working with a client and saying, let's, let's do some storytelling. You know, when we talk to them about storytelling, you know, we make a simple case of why, why storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. Because people are just like, oh, storytelling. That's, that's nice. So we use this example where, you know, we give them a series of random numbers and we're like 15, 32, 7, 9, 11. Can you, you know, tell me the next number in the sequence? And generally the answer is no, or they're sitting there trying to figure it out and there's not really an answer. And then, you know, we'll ask the question, but if I said one, two, three, four, five, six, could you answer the next, you know, the next number in the sequence? And the answer is seven, right? Well, mm -hmm. so there's a, there's a case made there that, when you organize information in the, in the way that the brain understands it, then your chance of selling your product or service goes up drastically. <laughs> right. But to answer your earlier question, you know, where do we start? It's always with the inciting incident. What is the problem your customer has? And usually there's a lot of back and forth there because the, the client always wants to talk about the problem they're having. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not getting enough customers. Well, that's your problem. Your, your client's not looking for more customers. Right. Um, so we typically will start there. We also, we, we do some, like without going into the whole process, we do some other things like understanding, like what is your brand archetype, right? Because 
what type of brand archetype depends on how you're going to tell the story. So for instance, like a, a magician, you might talk with a little bit more whimsical and fantastical way of telling your story, mm -hmm. whereas uh, a different archetype could be more serious and straightforward. So we need to, need to understand uh, a bunch of different components so that not only do we have a framework for a story, but we know how that story is going to be told because at the end of the day, you know, brands are very much like people. You either have a good relationship with them, a bad relationship. You have a certain set of standards that you expect that they're going to, you know, exist under. So we kind of tie all that together in storytelling. You can go and do it deeper, but if you read the book, we actually like uh, give a lot of it away just because, Hey, why not? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, you know, you can't solve every company's problem and every company has this problem, right? But I nearly, can try. Nearly every company. <laughs> you, can, you can take a big chunk out of that, right? Yeah. That's great. So the inciting incident, fundamental thing, the problem, it's actually very similar to product manager, management, which is we're very focused, or we should be, and unfortunately we aren't always, just like many folks, focused on the problem of our prospect and making sure it's worth solving and, and solving that instead of doing something that's pretty, right? you know, like right. your websites used to be. Yeah. or um, that is te cool technologically. Developers love to build cool stuff. But yeah. If it doesn't solve someone's problem and doesn't, and then we can't talk about that problem, then that's a big challenge. That's awesome. Yeah. If teams get too, too far disconnected from their customers because they fall in love with their ideas or their, or their technology or whatever, they've lost the point that the customer really doesn't care. Mm -hmm. Like they don't care if it's AI or blockchain or any of this stuff. Like that's really early adopter stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's such a small percentage of your market anyway. What they care about is, can you solve their freaking problem? And so if you're, if you're talking about the technology and all this other stuff, and you're not just talking about the specific problem and showing the customer that you understand them at that deeper level, like we were talking about earlier, then they're, they're just going to bounce. They're like, yeah. okay, yeah. And that's and, cool. And you have to show that you're a better alternative than a better choice than their alternatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's where storytelling um, can help you dif differentiate. I mean, the cool thing about a story is like, yeah, you're kind of following the same steps, but every person is going to tell that story differently and they're going to have a different perspective and a different experience that they can tie into it. So it's hard to run people through the same framework and get the same exact story. It's, oh, sure. it's almost impossible. Yeah. <laughs> which that then helps start creating the differentiation in the market. But the problem is, is that, you know, like in the construction example, somebody came up with the idea of on time on budget. It was really cool. And everybody else went, yeah, that's great. Let's do that. Well, yeah. that's not a story. That's just some yeah. marketing yeah. buzzwords and, and it, very little thought was given to it. So I'd, I'd almost say that's a technical, a technologist's approach mm -hmm. to technologists love facts and numbers. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they want to say, well, we have the best technology or we, our numbers are the best, but people don't care that much about the technology or the numbers. They care about that problem. Yeah. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago and they they work for a, I think a data company. And they were saying, I was talking to a customer and you know what the customer said? I don't need more data. <laughs> <laughs> I need to understand how to do something with the data that I have right now. So even customers quite often look at problems differently than, than we look at them. And this is, what always, you know, dumbfounded me about certain startups that we worked with in the past, where they had done very little market research, they identified a problem, really didn't talk to very many people, and then said, "Let's go build something to solve this problem." And it was like, "Is that a problem?" Like, like you said, I mean, I've seen market research that was like two paragraphs on a piece of paper, and I was like, 
bro, I can't tell a story out of that. Like you don't understand your customer at all. What are you talking about? Like it says John is 30 to 35 years old and he has a, a wife and two kids and he's college educated. And I was like, and what is John's problem? Right. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's another thing is like storytelling is not a magic bullet. If you tell the wrong story to the wrong person, or you're talking about the wrong problem, it's going to fall flat on its face. The storytelling is just a tool, right? And if you build a crappy house with a tool, it's not the tool's fault. It's your fault. <laughs> so that, that's another point that I always try to make to my clients since you're asking about that, that, you know, yes, it's a magic elixir, but you have to use it in the right way and you have to have the right amount of information to be able to use it correctly. And so we have some clients who we've actually had to revise the story like three, four, five, six, seven times because they didn't, they weren't close enough to understanding what the customer's true problem was. Mm -hmm. But once they got close enough, then the story that we told just, yeah, it's like, then it became a magic bullet. <laughs> right. So there, so there is sometimes a process in, in refinement in storytelling. Um, so I don't, you know, as much as I love it, I don't want to be like, it's magical. If you just do this, everything's just going to fall into your lap. It's like, no, if you don't have enough market research, if you don't understand your client well enough, then it's, it's not going to work. Um, right. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I want to ask you about your book and okay. a little bit of information on that. And then, which has got a fantastic name, how to hack humans, which we all <laughs> want to do that. So you, so you have this book, how to hack humans, fantastic name. Tell me, tell me more about the book. <laughs> the, the reason the book is called how to hack humans is because I basically analogize how the brain works. Right. So we have, um, we have Ram and we have a hard drive. We have short-term and long-term memory. We have bias, which is a firewall. We have two operating systems, the, the conscious and the subconscious understanding that basically we, the reason we have computers is because it's kind of set up the way our brain works. Like we recreated ourselves in technology. <laughs> so if, if you look at it through that lens and then you go, well, a computer can be, you know, you can write to, a, you know, to code to a computer, you can change things, you can delete things, you can add things, then what, what becomes the method to do that? And once I started digging into the neuroscience and then kind of coming up with this analogy, it was like, it's storytelling, right? Like it, it storytelling is basically the code that the brain understands. And this is, this just goes back to the, the point I was making earlier about all the numbers. Like the brain has a very specific way. It wants information given to him it. And if we don't do that, then it goes, I don't care. I'm not listening. This is too confusing. I'm not going to burn the calories on this. So, and the reason it works that way is because we always, this has always been with us. We've been telling stories before we were painting on the inside of caves before we even had a written language. So the hardware hasn't changed a whole lot. <laughs> um, so if you understand that and you, and you can, you know, put those pieces together, then you can understand what the most effective way to communicate with humans are or is. And the first third of the book is understanding how the brain works, the neuroscience. The second third is understanding how to tell a story and what, what are the components of a story and what are the different forms of story? Um, because it's not all the hero's journey. Like there's parables, there's idioms, there's analogies. And, and then the last third is I kind of go into branding. And then how do you apply your story? Like on your website in email, um, I give examples. I didn't want it to be a, a business book where they're like, they tell you the what and the why, but they give you zero how it's like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hire me to you know, do this for you. 
third act is what I call steal my stuff. I wanted to create something that, like you said earlier, like I can't help everybody, but if I can get this book out in more people's hands then more people are going to be helped. And some of those people are going to come back. Yeah. And, and hire us, which I would, I would love to do. I guess one of the steps is buy the book <laughs> because it's, it's 125 pages. You can read it in two to two and a half hours and it has a soundtrack. Every chapter has a song that goes with it. There's a playlist on Spotify and YouTube. Um, so if, if you want, you can flip on the soundtrack while you're reading the book, each song either, either connects with like the feel of the chapter or kind of with like what the chapter is talking about. So it's a, it's an interactive experience, but yeah, like it's just one, one more way for me to help people. And I'm really happy with the book. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. It's been out. You released it in October, I think. Yeah. Of 2021. So it's been a six months, eight months. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, and it, long, I don't know how long that is. <laughs> yeah. And it hit, hit the bestseller list on Amazon in like a couple of different categories. I won two awards and I only submitted it for two awards. So oh, fantastic. Well done. <laughs> I've, I've, I'm, I'm well into it. I'm about halfway through. It's very enjoyable. I'm enjoying it a lot, learning a lot. So I can definitely recommend the book to folks as well. And of course, I'll put links to all the things you mentioned. Yeah, uh, in the show notes for this episode. So, you, so, so the first thing you'd recommend to folks is uh, buy your book, which I, I'll, I'll support that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as an author myself, uh, I'm always in favor of people buying my book, but not because you know I make a teeny bit of money on each co copy, but it's got good stuff. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of content that you can you can literally by the by the time you get to that final third. I'm, I'm literally saying, here's, here's a Mad Lib. So you can start telling a story. Here's, you know, you want to write an email this way, not that way, you know? Right. Right. Um, I'll so definitely be using all that stuff. So, yeah. So it's chock full of, of applicable information, right. not just because like, I want to make like $2 from every book. I <laughs> sell or whatever. So the second thing is, you know, what we talked about before, which is if you don't want to read the book, then just start look at looking at how you can structure your content with problem, solution, and transformation, right? If you're writing an email, start with a problem, right? Like don't start by talking about your company, how great you guys are, what clients you have on your client roster, how many awards you've won. Um, I get these emails all the time and it it's like, it, people just don't get it. Like, it's like, you're, you want to talk to me, but all you want to do is talk to me about you. Like, I yeah. So so maybe that's the third tip is, is be wary of how you are writing your content. Your written language should, should have, have a lot of you, your, not I, us, we, our, that also changes how people perceive you, right? Because they're like, oh, you're talking about me. I want to listen more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we're so self-focused and that's not a bad thing entirely anyway. Uh, so one, by the book. Two, use the simple uh, structure, problem, solution, tr transformation. And three, be wary of how you're writing your content. You want to talk to the person, not at the person. So, Fantastic. Um, Those are great action items that people can definitely start doing. Like, well, I mean, buying the book, instant. Um, thinking about problems, that needs to be the transformation that people have after listening to this. Mm -hmm. If they're not already doing it, that's mm -hmm. what I would say. Yeah, and and you and you, you talking about you versus we, that's a simple hack to sort of just say, am I in the customer's head or am I in my head? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, I love that. That's fantastic. Well, this has fun. Been fun. It's been great to meet you as well, Seth. And I'm looking forward to finishing your book. I'm I'm learning a lot already, as I said, and I'm I can't wait to finish it. 
Yeah. And I noticed you didn't say you were offended by my sense of humor. So that was good too. <laughs> I No, I'm, I'm very open. I'm very open in terms of the sense of humor. I think it's funny. And you know, one thing we, we probably, we didn't do, but I'll, t I'll mention that it's in the book that, you know, you use a lot of examples from popular culture and that you go through star Wars and show how it maps to the, to the story and structure and things like that. So in this episode, Seth Erickson shared some stories about storytelling, including his story of how storytelling transformed his design agency. I hope you got one or two insights that will help you be more effective and more persuasive in your product manager career as you work to move the needle with your product and its go-to-market. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about this episode, please visit the show notes page at secretsofpm.com slash 112. You can drop a comment or simply send me a message on LinkedIn or via email. I'd love to hear from you and I respond to every question and comment. And you'll find links to all the topics we mentioned, including Seth's LinkedIn profile, his book, How to Hack Humans on Amazon, a free download of the first chapter of the book for podcast listeners, and a link to the Abbott Construction homepage that Seth did with the Storify agency that he talked about in the episode. So go to secretsofpm.com slash 112, check out all the resources. Until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.